It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This isn't just basketball. This is the NBA playoffs. And with William Hill Sportsbook, you can dial up the playoff intensity from the palm of your hand. Just download the William Hill mobile app and your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free using promo code RADIORF. New users only. Must be 21 years or older and present in Virginia to bet. Paid in free bets. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. William Hill Sportsbook. Proud partner of the NBA. Let's make it interesting. and there will be no encore. I've got a cold. Craig Fitzpatrick, how you doing? Is it a cold cold or are oh, you, um, no, have you worried. checked in with your app? Do you have the app? Have I you got have the, the app? app? Yeah, I've got the app. <laughs> what are you, fucking like police? Have you alerted oh. your household? <laughs> There's nothing to worry about. It's a mild cold. How are you cold. feeling more importantly? Mild cold. I feel Just a bit fine. Snuffy. Just a bit Is snuffy, it the weather, yeah. do you reckon? I think it is. I'm not enjoying this dead heat. It sucks. Yeah, it's, um, I'm zonked. I'm zzzzzonked. To paraphrase El Kulja, uh, great man. It's the it's the grey skies and the heat. I think it's yeah, just, it's a lot. There's no benefit of sunshine. I'm in a lockdown county still. Um, so oh yeah, you're officially stuck now. You can't yeah, leave. in leak slip, <laughs> which Brian Kerman stuck Leipzig for leak slip <laughs> the other night on the football, which is great. That was the highlight of, of leak slips fortnight. I think. Yeah, I'm sure it's the kind of thing that happens quite often. Yeah, it's yeah, a weird one. Like, Tough time, you know. <laughs> well, it's kind of it's 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 particularly painful because Leakstup is on the like imaginary border. There's a pub in Leakstup which I think is open because technically it's Dublin, even though like for years its address has been like Leakstup County Kildare, and now it seems to be Leakstup County Dublin, just like over the bridge in the village. I think you've been to it. It's been a while, but I've been there before. Uh, how are those night runs going? 
No one's Night chasing runs you there. or nothing, no? No. I've started taking a few walks as well, just to mix it up. I've seen every estate in Leaks up at this point. Places I've never been before. I, I know the entire... I've, I've rambled across the entirety of Leaks Up. I'm like the John Creedon of Leaks Up. <laughs> Steady on. Listen, <laughs> it'll, it'll take many a year before you get onto that guy's caliber. Oh, sorry, but listen, uh, long episode ahead. I was going to say the packed episode, long episode ahead, uh, preparing the listener. <laughs> Quite the slog, folks. <laughs> Buckle no, up. No, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. As noted at the top of the show, this is No Encore. My name is Dave Hanratty. His name is Craig Fitzpatrick. It's episode 226 of No Encore Music Podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Real quick, by the way, congratulations to Alan Bennett and new wife, Ashling O'Reilly. Alan yes. Bennett, of course. Headstuff head honcho. Overlord of the Heads of Podcast Network, and may they have a long and wonderful life together. And may we have a long and wonderful podcast ahead, Craig. On this episode, we're going to review the new album from Glass Animals. It's called Dreamland. And then we're going to have our top five animal crackers. <laughs> Very good. I was wondering I'm how so you're going happy. to introduce that and link those two, because I did see one wag on Twitter. It's probably listening right now being like, so what's next week, lads? Um, songs about glass? <laughs> I could do it. Which is actually a great idea that we are going to steal. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Um, but yes, Animal uh, Crackers was your framing, which I, I particularly like. That's a great songs poem, but about it is, animals, basically, or animals yeah, with, in the title. We, we have a few criteria as well, just to kind of make things complicated for ourselves, as is our want. So yeah, they do. have to be in the title, which actually made it easier, to be honest, to just cut down, cut down the options, which is always good because it was once again a nightmare putting it together. Yeah, well, that, that's we suffer for our art, Craig. And we if do. you want to help us, if you want to support us suffering for our art, you can always head over to patreon.com slash noencore and uh, throw us some money if you want to. Uh, on a serious note, though, it does help with the show. There is all kinds of equipment that might still need to be bought. As noted recently, I am genuinely concerned for the sanctity and safety of my laptop, especially on a hot day like this, you know, it just doesn't help. Yeah, so yeah, I might, yeah. might need to invest. But uh, on a serious, serious note, though, thank you to everyone who has supported the show. It does make an awful lot of difference, as do, uh, you know, the odd glowing review on iTunes or wherever you can do that so you know help us out we'd love that read the good word great. folks Thanks there is know. a brand new episode of popcorn out now in your feeds about the eurovision movie go watch yes, the eurovision very movie listen to that and speaking of the eurovision craig that that's the top of our new section because every now and then right we finish up on a thursday night around half eight ish i guess just so people want the, spe- the specificity of how they can assassinate us that's what we'll be doing every thursday <laughs> two and a half six and a half eight generally um, i'll be in leaks loop uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in I, I'm, I'm in leafy castle knock still so you know that that's where you can get us uh, essentially right so here's the thing um big news stories often break as soon as we go off off the air so to speak and we're like oh damn it but we don't, you know, unless it's like the death of a major celebrity, you know, we, we tend to just leave it. Um, mm. Maybe we should have shouldn't have left this one a week because it's been a big news story. The Eurovision, aforementioned Eurovision, perfect, perfect timing here. The Eurovision Song Contest, uh, Europe's favorite cat and mouse team, is in fact going stateside, Craig. The American Song Contest is coming. How excited are you? I'm kind of annoyed they didn't go with Amerivision Song Contest. Um, I'm... <laughs> I don't know how this one's going to go because I've seen a lot of people um, bemoan the fact that it, it's going to America and like, you know, those Americans won't get it. They don't have the kind of crazy culture that we do in Europe and it won't have the kind of zany entries and the kind of the clash of cultures. But then like, I, like the whole camp thing, I guess, but you know, America did invent disco. There's a lot of differences between states as well, we know. So... I mean, if it's going to be like a beige, vanilla, American idol kind of thing, count me out. But if they really lean into the American craziness, it could be tremendous. 
But they'll probably just yeah. get James Corden to be Graham Norton and it'll be a shit show. It does seem to be like a, a full-on licensing situation here. It's not just like drawing inspiration from. the. Speaking of yeah. drawing, by the way, the Eurovision Song Contest draws over 200 million people watching whenever it does the final. Obviously, there wasn't yeah. one this year, but the American Song Contest is basically going to have similar stuff. According to a press release, professional musical artists, including solo singers, duos, or groups of up to six members from each of the 50 states in America and across every musical genre will perform all original songs on the live televised event. Going head to head, you know yourself. It's 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 the whole thing. One of the producers, right? A guy called Chris Der Bjorkman, who was a fan of the show, much like Will Ferrell's character in Eurovision, who ended up competing himself in 1992, representing Sweden. He said, uh, "Since I was a child, Eurovision has been a dream project." So it's oh, this guy. Is, <laughs> he was thinking of projects when he was a child. <laughs> to have a chance to use everything you know about the format, and re- so forget what you think you know, Greg, yeah. and redo it from the beginning, and to bring it to an audience that has no history with it is such a privilege. Uh, there's also a guy working on it who's worked on stuff like The Office, Big Brother, and The Weakest Link. So he's got a history of bringing all right English properties across to the states and ruining them, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, yeah. We need, we, we need to root for, as he says, as Bjorkman says, it's a competition where you root for your home state and your hometown, and there isn't another show out there that does that. Didn't you already mention American Idol? Like, they're, <laughs> they're going very big on this, this person's from Texas thing. Like, it's like Rosa Tralee. Like, this isn't yeah. that unique. Which state will you be rooting for, Dave? Do you have a horse in this race? Uh, are Toronto in there? Like, is that possible? Oh, no, they're not the United States of America. <laughs> but I, was there, I was there this time last year and I'm, and I'm pining for it. I miss so it's it. probably going to be some East Coast place, is it? You, you hipster. New York. Yeah, New York, I suppose, yeah. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of, I hear. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. It struck me as interesting that it's up to six members. That's a weird stipulation. So like Wu-Tang can't be entered for New York or like wherever (laughs) Polyphonic Spree are are from. Like this isn't going to be their big comeback. Just up to six, lads. Um, Well, Craig, I don't know. I'll tell you what, right? One state I won't be voting for is South Dakota or Dakota. Is that a state? I don't know. But the point is... There's a north and south. Do you remember remember Twin Peaks, the more more recent one? (laughs) They went to South Dakota. And I was just like, wow, (laughs) interesting choice. Thousands of fans last weekend were very irresponsible, gathering in Sturgis. They they do this motorcycle rally. It's a 10-day festival that attracts a a quarter of a million motorcycle enthusiasts. Now, this was always associated, I remember, like, back in the day, with pro wrestling. WCW, World Championship Wrestling, would do a free show there for the bikers. So creating no money and just generally playing to drunk people on motorbikes. Um, but it's appropriate, though, because Chris Jericho and his Fozzie band performed over the weekend alongside the likes of Book Cherry, Drowning Pool, Night Ranger, Lit, Trapped. These are all Marvel characters. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Smash Mouth, who yay, have drawn the, the most or not yay. Yeah. Because, <laughs> why why do I say yay? <laughs> A massive all-star fan me. They are the most well-known act, I suppose, at this event. Um, the event had already come out in force and been like, listen, it was very safe. We followed uh, Centre for Disease Control pandemic guidelines. Hand sanitizer was readily available. And guests would have to bring a mask. However, as luck would have it, Craig, uh, footage from the concert emerged showing not many people wearing the old mask. Now, the frontman of Smash Mouth, Steve Harwell, at one stage on stage, said to the crowd, and I quote, we're all here together tonight. Fuck that COVID shit. Uh, which reminds me, by the way, of um, a friend of the show who will not be named, just in case anything bad ever happens, who told us 
Uh, that I'm, I'm concerned now. <laughs> this was this was like just before lockdown. Uh, he said that he was playing five aside football with his mates and scored oh, okay. like a scored a screamer and apparently like ran up to everyone and was like fuck the coronavirus and like high fived everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, but yeah, I guess you know people keep talking about gigs not happening, but they are happening and they're Sam dangerous. Sam Fender has has done a kind of uh, a safe version, right? Was that, was he the first one in the UK anyway? Uh, the first, um, just the first big one to get any traction. There's definitely been a few of them done before yeah. now, but for some reason, everyone's, including uh, Tonish to Leo Varadkar this week, who said that he misses concerts and really hopes it catches on. That thing looks miserable, by the way. Everyone was like, yeah, "This looks great." Can well, you describe? I mean, can you describe the image that people may have not seen? It's people kind of in cages, essentially. Um, yeah, it's like you each get your little pen, so it's kind of cordoned off. You've got your own space uh, with seating. I think drinks and food are brought around. It's actually an okay setup in terms of, you know, being served and um, safety-wise. But of course, just any, you know, you're going to lose all the kind of energy and atmosphere of a gig. Um, I totally understand people want, wanting to do something different, a fair place to them. It just kind of loses all the stuff that I associate with, you know, great gigs. But of course, I mean, it's an industry that is absolutely crippled right now. So anything that just fucking gives people a few jobs, yeah, full steam ahead. Like, if you can do it safely, do it. Same time, though, I mean, that scene did look a little bit like that bit in The Matrix where Neo wakes up in like a pod and there's similar pods everywhere and it's all oh, yeah, harvested yeah, yeah. or something. There was just yeah. something very cattle market about it. It was just kind of like I expect people to be walking around with like stun guns going out to people. But I don't know. I presume he'd be knocked out as well by just the, the wonder that is Sam Fender. I mean, I don't know. But like, I it's... mean, would you rather be uh, like at that cattle mart or at this fucking motorcycle rally with Smash Mouth? Just sounds like an absolute Petri dish of numb scullery. If I knew that I wasn't going to get sick, I'd go. It sounds hilarious. You'd be all over this, wouldn't you, Dave? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Book Cherry? (laughs) By the way, who who are Book Cherry? Every time I hear the name Book Cherry. No, but every time I hear the name Book Cherry, um, fucking Butterfly by Crazy Town starts playing in my head. Like, Book Cherry should have done that song. But they didn't, obviously. They didn't do that song. What song did they do? They did this song. And now you got to freak me out Scream so loud Getting fucking laid You want me to stay But I got to make my way Hey, y'all crazy bitch But you fuck so good I'm on top of it when I dream I'm doing you all night Stretches all down my back To keep me right on, hey that's Book, Cherry. That That's Book Cherry with their big hit, Crazy Bitch. Uh, very tasteful song. Very tasteful I don't, band. Yeah, I feel like Nikki Six and fucking Tommy Lee would have been like, lads, that's a bit, down, <laughs> that's down, a bit yeah. distasteful. Um, oh, yeah. would, you, would, would you rather, would you rather, would you rather Brian Adams? Yeah, is that, is that more your speed, is it? <laughs> I think I probably would rather Brian Adams. The Canadian honest. Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> big in Germany, as it turns out. Oh yeah, listen, we talked about him recently because wasn't he given out? He was like, oh, this coronavirus thing is nonsense. We should be playing gigs all the time. But he's uh, he's yeah. it, he walked that one back pretty fast, which has been the pattern all summer, by the way. Person says something, is immediately censured, and then goes, actually, I didn't do my research. I'm sorry. But he's plowing ahead, Craig. He's uh, looking to play a stadium gig in Dusseldorf. 
Uh, but he's also been very quick to say, despite it being a stadium gig, all of the yada, yada, yada distancing will be in place. I don't know. Even like here it's at home. It's basically I mean, like, going to be a Sam Fender gig. He's yeah. essentially the Canadian Sam Fender at this point. Well, I mean, like, again, I agree with you with, with the overall principle. Like, you need to get venues back open. And here at home, like, I mean, places like Whelan's and the Workman's Club are opening and doing the best they can with their 50 cap shows or whatever it is that they've put together. And, you know, I, I, I desperately want that to work for now. But obviously, it's a stopgap. I mean... I got to like I've talked to different people in different sides of the industry and ultimately everyone's kind of thinking the same thing like it's going to be like 20 fucking 22 man I mean like like you're looking at some gigs like say for example Codeline Codeline and they're doing like a Malahide Castle show in 2021 and you're like no they're not <laughs> like that's not going to happen and also Well like, I mean I mean Putin should... has got a vaccine so I don't know what oh, you're sorry, talking yeah, about me. Course, yeah yeah it's sorted <laughs> I think it's going to be a case of the can being kicked down the road quite a bit which is obviously a logistical nightmare for for bookers and acts and venues and everything and hopefully like most of them will sustain but who knows code line by the way of course as i did know earlier on on twitter during the week can you really believe that a pandemic got in the way of me going to eight code line gigs in a row shocking i didn't see that coming <laughs> were you actually going to do it because you were back and forth it was an emotional roller coaster before you even got to, <laughs> got uh, to i mean like they they kind of dared me to do it so at the end yeah. i was like i guess i'll do it but then people were like you can't go and i'm like i'm not gonna fucking go you know? and it's no disrespect to them i'm just like you would have you would have caught like one night just because you love that band obviously but <laughs> the full it, endurance I said it before <laughs> and i'll say it again craig all i want is one of the great great ballads and pop songs by anyone it's an excellent song. Now, listen, you might think, look, fuck it. I, I'm not going to a gig. I'm not performing at a gig. I'm not leaving my fucking house, man. That's what country singer Kane Brown thought. But then he got rescued by the police after getting lost in his own back garden. Uh, should we know that his back garden is, in fact, 3,000 acres of wood surrounding the property. And it's new because he just moved into a new house. So I'd never heard of this guy before, but this story's no. been doing the rounds because it's hilarious. Uh, he said, the real story is I moved into a new house. He tells People magazine, I own 30 acres of 3,000 around me. I told my wife, I want you to go check out the property and I'll be back in half an hour. <laughs> 30 minutes turned into three hours. It started raining turned dark and dropped to 40 degrees i left Fucking my brown phone, witch project <laughs> i left my phone on the back of my truck and my friend's <laughs> iphone battery was on seven percent we used gps to try and get back but it kept taking us to all these cliffs that you can't drive a four-wheeler down and i wasn't about to leave them so he called his last resort a country rapper by the name of ryan upchurch <laughs> who lives nearby country rapper of course Upchurch uh, finds me with his buddy and now three turned into five people <laughs> lost. It's fucking amazing. Uh, oh my God. So apparently like four other friends were riding around in ATV and they start getting shot at. Like, like, like I'm not sure by who. He said we had to call the cops. The cops arrive and hear the gunshots. Think we're I feel like they were them. shooting at each other and this is them trying to save face. I think they got scared. They were obviously packing because they're country rappers slash singers. Or is this driving like driving around in pickup trucks? There's no mention of like an Alfa Romeo or something. <laughs> These guys are driving. But like, I mean, is it a case of a get off my land? I'm just going to fire randomly on you. But they they got out alive. They're fine. He said we yell at the cops and tell them we're not armed and made it out. Uh, I'm sure them being white people helped as well. You know. Um. So essentially, uh, I think Ryan Upchurch. Uh, you know, he's been defending Brown. social media. Yeah, yeah. So what did he have to say, Craig? He said, okay, look, I see all the memes and stuff about Kane Brown. Yeah, they're kind of funny, but here's the fact of the matter, man. You weren't there. I, I love was a Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Kane got lost in the woods on property that he freshly just got to. Doesn't really know that well. Goes out riding, gets lost. It gets dark. He can't find his way out. 
Me and my brother and a couple of my friends went there into the woods. We've never even been in our life. I had to get GPS even to go to his house. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we ended up finding him in the woods because me and my brother, you know, we know how to like look for trails recently ridden on shit like that. Proper real men, these guys. They're yeah, real yeah. men. <laughs> Not like us. So we found him. But we ran out of gas. We ran out of cell phone service too. We got lost in the woods with him. Ah, see when there you go, lads. pitch black and your eyeballs are open. <laughs> your eyeballs are open. Your eyeballs are always open. It's the eyelids that's the problem. And you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And you're on thousands of acres that you've never even been on before. It's kind of hard to find your way out. Just saying. It's obvious some of y'all never been lost in the woods before. And it shows, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get dropped in thousands of acres, blind as fuck, in a place you ain't never been before, probably going to get lost. Which is fair. I will I will say there, I think it was about a year ago, uh, I was walking home one night from like a, a nearby establishment and I went through the Phoenix Park and it was pitch black and I did, I wasn't sure where I was going. I had to pull out my phone, get the torch going, you know. It it's like, a different kind of darkness in the woods for sure. A different kind of darkness, my first With fucking Craig emo metal. Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to A Different Kind of Darkness. Tonight, <laughs> we'll be discussing the career of Emperor. But no, actually, we will be talking about a dark individual, though, Craig. Nick Cave, uh, you know, he does those red hand files thing on his website. Yeah. Where he asks some questions and so, and he sends back very thoughtful answers and often gets a lot of praise for it. Well, this time, he's upset the world because he was asked directly uh, by two people, one named Valerio and one named Francis. Uh, what does he think about cancel culture? Which sounds like bait to me, but Nick yeah. Cave took that bait and said, Dear Valerio and Francis, mercy is a value that should be at the heart of any functioning and tolerant society. Mercy ultimately acknowledges that we are all imperfect, and in doing so, allows us the oxygen to breathe, to feel protected within a society through our mutual fallibility. Without mercy, a society loses its soul and devours itself. Uh, he goes on to say, mercy is not a given. It is a value that we must nurture and aspire to. Tolerance allows the spirit of inquiry, the confidence to roam freely, to make mistakes, to self-correct, to be bold, to dare to doubt, and in the process, change, or sorry, chance upon new and more advanced ideas. Without mercy, society grows inflexible, fearful, vindictive, and humorless. Which you're like, yeah, that, that's all pretty good. Then he goes on to say, Francis, you've asked about cancel culture. Oh, no. <laughs> as far as I can see, cancel culture is mercy's antithesis. Political correctness has... Uh, <laughs> you're waiting for it, you? <laughs> Has gone mad. <laughs> Political correctness has grown to become the unhappiest religion in the world, says Nick Cave. It's once honourable attempt to reimagine our society in a more equitable way now embodies all the worst aspects the religion has to offer and none of the beauty. Moral certainty and self-righteousness shorn even of the capacity for redemption. It has become, quite literally, bad religion run amok. He goes on to say that cancer culture's refusal to engage with uncomfortable ideas has an asphyxiating effect on the creative soul of society. Compassion is the primary experience. And it goes on. Uh, he yeah. says, we're a culture in transition, and maybe they were heading towards a more equal society. I don't know. <laughs> but what essential values will we forfeit in the process? who cares, Dave? <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm kind I love the fact that uh, it's it's from Valerio and Francis. Like, Nick Cave always seems to be addressing fans that are named after, like, saints or something, which is very Nick Cave, which is great. Um, I agree with you. I'm on board with all the kind of mercy talk. Um, it's a very considered answer to start. And I guess he's saying, you know, what people talk about now is like teachable moments. So if someone has, if there's been an infraction that isn't like, you know, I don't think he's talking about serious crimes here. He's talking about what people have said. Maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into what he's saying, but like that people just immediately go, okay, you're, you're now on a list and we will, you, there's no chance for redemption for you whatsoever. 
And, you know, we've said on the podcast before, there always has to be that shot of redemption, right? If you want to get people inside, help them grow as people, blah, blah, blah. But then I think he maybe, I think he's maybe... um he conflates some stuff. When he, when, yeah, I when think. he says cancel culture, I mean, that's dodgy terminology because that brings in so many fucking horrendous and it was also, crimes but it was also, it was systemic abuses. Him, so it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, like, listen, and like, it's, you know, people, the, the, the new thing now is turn around and be like, show me someone who's actually been cancelled, which yeah. is a fair argument in a way, but obviously like a lot of this is social media based unnuanced, you know not even discourse just people screaming at each other but of course it has led to people on twitter being like well that's me done with him and it's like no i mean like come on you know like it's he's trying to do the nick cave thing of like ducking and weaving into a very like i suppose um ebullient or fucking like flowery answer as he often does in these things i think mostly what he's saying is fine he's just basically being like oh man you know i just saw some articles like frame this as like well i mean he is a 60 something year old white man and it's like yeah there's there's truth to that as well but i mean a lot of the reaction um seemed to be like proving his point because he is literally just giving an opinion and then as you say people are like well i'm done with him it's just like well could you not just kind of go well i disagree and here's why but anyway that's not how it works (laughs) you think you are well, you know, as I mean, Nick Cave says, compassion is the primary experience. Lewis Capaldi yeah. apparently feels the same way because he's gone ahead and cancelled <laughs> himself. He told the Daily Star that he's been busy working on his next record during lockdown, but will not release it until next year at the earliest, joking that people have been through enough sadness this year. Yeah. People have, like, people this have is... suffered enough and they don't even know the song from me, says Lewis, doing his banter thing. I know, this is the thing. This is why he's, he's likeable, but also this is the problem with the music, right? It's like he's aware that the songs are modelling crap um certainly not like sparkling with inventiveness and creativity the way his you know tweets are so it's it's weird for me that he's like still i don't know it just every song he puts out feels like a missed opportunity considering the character he is so i don't know maybe he's going to take this time away to put more of himself into his work i don't know that's fair i don't know he said he's um he said he's written 50 new songs and three or four of them are good and that's a good ratio so are you kind of like are you are you done with the with not so much the gimmick, but are you done with the persona? Would you rather he was a more brooding, sensitive man in the corner with a guitar? We need more of those, don't we? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm not gonna. You know, the, I I enjoy his presence in the industry. I guess I don't have to listen to the music. I know loads of people love it. It is the James Bond thing of like, oh, but he's a good lad, you know, and he's funny and he's he's self aware. It's like, yeah, but can you not channel that into into the music a bit more? But hey, it's it's not music for me, so. No harm, no foul. Well, someone who's hoping no harm, no foul is Jason Derulo, who thought that his, not necessarily his debut film role, but the film he was in, Cats, would, quote, change the world. Now, I would argue that it has. It did, yeah. Mission accomplished, Derulo. Late late December, January time, and, you know, the world has legitimately not been the same since. But Jason Derulo did a new interview. He was talking to The Telegraph, and he said, um, I thought it was going to change the world. Even when I saw the trailer, I got chills down my spine. And it's like, yeah, most people did, mate, but not necessarily <laughs> for, for the one. But he said, um, for the longest time, I was trying to figure out what's the perfect first role. I love this. He's coming out this like some kind of like Renaissance man, you know? Cats uh, checked all the boxes. <laughs> you can't get a more star-studded cast. You don't get a more respected director than Oscar winner Tom Hooper. And Rum Tum Tugger <laughs> is a legacy role, a standout <laughs> character in a classic musical. God, love him. Just, He's adorable. It, that line like cats checked all the boxes what was his list it reminds me of uh 
years ago when we were going to America, the whole family and my dad was like, I'll take care of this form at the airport, which is like your clearance where you have to basically answer really simple questions about like, you know, the stuff is just like, I, I did not fucking pack explosives in my bag, so I have not hung out with terrorists, blah, blah, blah. I have not left unattended. I do not have, like, live fucking poultry. The idea of your dad hanging out with terrorists. Like, <laughs> all right, lads. That's the thing. It's a big checklist of just, like, all these kind of awful things, and you just go through the motions, and obviously you're saying, listen, I'm grand, we'll go through. My dad is so super confident. He was like, I'll fill this out for everyone. It's absolutely fine. We get to clearance and the fucking US official there is looking at the form, looking at my dad and he's like, uh, sir, did you fill this out yourself? And my dad's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, I think we've got a massive problem then. <laughs> he ticked all the wrong boxes and basically admitted to hanging out with terrorists, admitted to packing his bags with like fucking everything. Everything you could imagine. And like, luckily enough, the fucking US official had a sense of humor, which was like... What are the odds of that? And he was like, yeah, just just go on. It's fine. I get it. <laughs> yeah, that could have been a sticky situation. Well, I'm very glad to hear it all worked out for you and for the whole family and for the United States of America. I, you know, surprising yes. stuff all around. We're Greg. all fine. I think something that has surprised people in a good way this year, though, has been um, the emergence of Michael Imperioli, a.k.a. Christopher from The Sopranos, as a real muso. There's been a few kind of articles about this. He's got like a radio show, Big Into My Buddy Valentine, and everyone's having a great moment with this. I was supposed to interview him months and months ago because like he was coming over to Dublin along with two other actors from The Sopranos for some kind of like panel thing. Uh, It fell through because the show fell through and it's like, oh, had I known, had I known that I would have been talking to a guy who really fucking knows his stuff, you know? But he was... um, he put up an old photograph of uh, the late James Gandolfini and himself on Instagram. And in the comments, people were like, what kind of music do you like? And Imperioli said, Green Day. He would play the vinyl of Dookie in his trailer at work. I'm totally serious. No the joke. Vinyl. He loved Green Day. Uh, and then, like, he, like uh, I think Stereogum reached out just for some more on this. And he basically was like... Because someone had to. <laughs> oh, he had to chase it up. Yeah. He said uh, yeah. Gand- Gandafidi would sing Basket Case and make up his own lyrics about HBO and the writers and the producers of The Sopranos. Usually when he was oh. feeling overworked and overexposed, his lyrics would, would reflect that. Some of the more musical crew members would add a verse or two. Great fun. So there you go. <laughs> Sopranos. Not quite as murderous and horrible as everyone thought it was, you know? It was a very light set. I'm doing a rewatch. I've started the first couple episodes. Uh, are you off the X-Files, are you? I'm uh, taking a bit of a break, I think. I'm just at the point where it's prior to the first X-Files movie. <laughs> so it's like, okay. I believe the first movie's good, and then there's a couple more seasons that are good, and then it goes all, like, just jumps the shark completely. So, I don't know. It's I've, As, um, I've been enjoying it very much, but it, it like it's such a sprawling show that you're like, okay, you know inevitably that the show creator is going to lose all track of the story arc and kind of there's no real end point. And was it a what, total waste of time? I don't know. Well, hang on. Uh, has the T-1000 <laughs> himself, Robert Patrick, shown up yet? He no, he has not. Time. Yeah, okay. that's when um, that's when the boy David Duchovny is like, I'm heading off to have a movie career. <laughs> Worked <laughs> and, out really uh, well. Yeah, yeah. He came back. Um, but he is, yeah. He's his presence. I can see being quite missed. Like, there's a couple of episodes that doesn't have Mulder, doesn't have Scully, and the whole thing collapses like a House of Cards. Not the show, not Spacey, but um. Oh, House yeah. of Cards, mate. I mean, that's one of those shows about politics and stuff, isn't it? I mean, I it guess earlier on we mentioned we mentioned Leo Varadkar. He's having quite the week, you know, from that whole 
music thing to then um basically putting out a really fucking fucking bizarre wildly problematic middle class white man dog whistle for good yeah. measure uh anyway, listen, hide the fascist <laughs> i feel like no encore isn't the podcast for such no. things for that is there a podcast for such a thing yeah i'm glad you asked man when it comes to understanding political issues, I am a self-confessed toddler. That's why I've enlisted the help of Steve, my politically savvy drinking buddy, to help me better understand politics. Every couple of weeks, we get together and record on topics like what is the politics of language, what is Watergate, how the internet is killing democracy. We take these big issues and we break them down into silly little comedic bite-sized bits. If you like the sound of that, then search for What Am Politics in your podcast app of choice or find us here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Seamless linkage as always, Craig. Beautiful stuff. Oh, hang on, he's gone. <laughs> like, fucking hell. I, did, uh, I just said seamless linkage as the guy like dips out of zoom. Perfect. Is there is there a better metaphor for the Hanratty Fitzpatrick axis? Fucking amazing. Alright, fine. I'll I'll hold that thought and we'll come back in, in a second. A few moments later. Welcome back, Craig. Yeah. Uh, after after I literally praised you for uh, pra- praised pra- praised us for our amazing tandem offense that we put in together, and then you're just like, literally, look up my screen, <laughs> look up my screen, and you're just gone. I was like, amazing, <laughs> fucking incredible. Okay. As I was noting, Craig, before you left me on my own, tremendous tag team, wonderful work between oh, the two sorry, of us as no. always. And now, with that in mind, it's time to try and. <laughs> hastily get the show back on track it's time for an album review it's glass animals it's dreamland it sounds like this that slice of modern contemporary funk is called Space Ghost Coast to Coast. That's Glass Animals, fresh off a near-death experience, Craig. Who are these guys? Yeah, um, so that was a, a really kind of close-to-home story. Um, their drummer, Joe were suffering a fractured skull, I believe, uh, when he was in Dublin uh, back in 2018, um, which was, like, really obviously traumatic for him. It took him, like, months to, you know start talking again uh, thinking reading walking just incredible stuff um that was actually probably um my how i was most familiar with them i guess because they like their songs are kind of ubiquitous at this point they're a lot of their hits were kind of you know floating through my subconscious but i i filtered them away with a lot of the kind of chart stuff that's out Glass Animals essentially are more art poppy types springing from Oxford, which has like really been a fertile spot for kind of English semi-conventional bands, I guess, crossing over in the last while. Uh, so they're a quartet, childhood friends, led by Dave Bailey, who also goes by Wavy Davey, uh, which we'll get to, I guess. Um, he's uh, He was born in America, he grew up in Texas, moved to the UK, uh, so he's kind of far from kind of quintessentially English um, as this band are in Sounder Manor. Two albums under their belts. Um, they're kind of perfect, I guess, tea time, festival slot fodder, maybe. Uh, like, across a lot of genres, as you heard there. Bit of fun. Like, to me, they felt like... Do you remember when Alt-J sampled Miley Cyrus, like, about five years ago, on Hunger of the Pines, and it was a big kind of news story, and they were talking about, oh, it's an unexpected element. Um, just kind of, like, remixing up the genres. Glass Animals are basically an Alt-J, where that is, like, the entire point. It's like pop, hip-hop infusions center spotify playlists and as i say yeah they're kind of in my peripheral um 
I was kind of subconsciously hearing these sounds um weren't doing a huge amount for me but you know after the accident um and them regrouping what they've created here is what they're talking about as like their most autobiographical work um so Lee Singer's talked about how previously they wrote a lot about other people they didn't want to be too indulgent but this is really like conceptual start to finish uh feels like a concept record uh there's a lot of home movie clips in it kind of hangs together as a story about them mainly him I guess how was your trip through Dreamland, Dave uh, yeah, it was it was interesting because it is high concept, as you know. Sorry, just to note real quick about the, the Joe Seaver thing. It was more than just fractured skull. It was like he fucking like shattered one of his legs as well, and like it was when he was cycling Christ. in Dublin. I think it was on the keys. Actually, he was hit by a truck, and yeah. it looked it looked it's incredible that he survived. Like, it's unbelievable, and they talked about this quite a bit. And I mean, like, I guess it, it is an interesting like um, juxtaposition because this record as you say number one is called dreamland number two it's meant to be the most personal work yet number yeah. three it arrives off the back of like these people nearly losing one of their best friends i think like it was genuinely that bad he had a couple of very long operations that saved his life um and obviously you know is back and they're doing interviews and they're talking about it and all that kind of stuff but also this record is like it's almost meant to be like some kind of like video game thing where it's like, like you're the player and you're wandering into these weird worlds and it, the tone of what you heard there, like space ghost, coast to coast, like it's that kind of, you know, like kind of like very inviting, very like up-tempo, wavy. They've been good at that so far. Yeah. I mean, like they're a band I've never fully quite got. I went to see them live in the Olympia Theatre about three or four years ago now. Uh, with former uh, guest of the show and always friend, happy birthday by the way, Vanilla Jones, and it was like that time we went to see the Maccabees, where like I was like, oh, I'm curious about this, but I don't really have much of a footing. And then the crowd yeah. are like fucking rabid, like the crowd, like after like one song, two songs, and like they were just like the the noise, like it was like this band yeah. are beloved, and I'm like, hey, youth's a pretty good song, <laughs> you know. I'm just like I don't quite understand, like I don't quite know what the substance is. And after several trips through Dreamland, I still don't know what the substance is, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm just still a little bit like, hey, am I too old for this? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, You talk about the video game concept. It definitely is a concept record, right? So the opener, I was fully on board with the opener. Um, They're kind of going into this reality. They're taking you on a trip. It's very kind of like millennial focused and... You know, all those reference points that are, you know, to the point of them just stacking up memes, as we heard in that clip from uh, Space Ghost to Ghost. Um, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, sorry, to give it its full title. Um, and the respect you know, it deserves, Craig. And the respect it deserves. Previously, I think they washed over me or kind of at times made me bristle because they felt a bit kind of contrived, I think, and overeager in the sound, like do, aping a lot of popular things and becoming popular. And also his voice... It wasn't quite doing it for me. This, though, from that opener was the sound. It was more kind of like mature pop, aligned with my tastes. Um, and, you know, I guess, as I say, millennial tastes. Um, I was like, I'm all in. And then those reference points just keep piling up until it gets like uncanny and like a little kind of creepy almost. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was it was one of those occasions where my like five listen rule um, which is usually there to like ensure everybody gets a fair shake. Um, this is an occasion where after an initial run through where I was cu- not getting swept up, but going, okay, there's interesting songwriting here. I like the palette. 
every repeat listen after that was just diminishing returns, particularly as the lyrics revealed themselves and kind of protruded. The shameless kind of influences piled up. Um, and yeah, from that opener where it's doing a kind of life on Mars thing of like getting lost in entertainment and there's references to kind of bringing guns to schools, like taking that box. There's kind of, we're into track two, which is like essentially a, a hotline bling pastiche, um, like really is. And you're getting like shout outs to Mr. Miyagi. You're getting like references to like friends being on repeat. Relatable, do you know what I mean? Um, he's playing too much GTA, you know, Doomquake. There's a Pokemon reference, Capri Sun. There's a, you know, one of the singles was Tokyo Drifting, which is like fucking, obviously the best Fast and Furious film. Which um, also, sorry, can I just say that that, that song also, uh, which came out in like October or something, so we've had a lot of time with it. Yeah, and it's, there's been a lot of know, singles from it. It's a bit of a bop. I mean, I think I think they're at their best when they have these sub four minute tracks that kind of are at the in, in around about the middle of the album. That's when they're at their most kind of, I suppose, like basically attractive. But that one has Denzel Curry on it, who of course we adore. Yeah. But also, he's on the fucking track for less than thirty seconds. Come on, I know I'm it's all quite for gravity, a... but like use him. It's a nice appearance, but it's it kind of seemed a bit like one of those classic Kendrick things where he's just like, I have to do what song now is this the thing and he's like in the boot and he just like gives him 30 seconds and he's he's, he's on to the next one um but like you know oh, always a, good to hear him <laughs> it's a never in the same room type thing for sure yeah you know, way ahead of today when you know that's obviously how all features are done i have to presume craig you know social distance yeah but and yeah no yeah. there's just not much there's just not much here is there and, and, and I, I hate that frustration because I, I hate records where you're like oh fuck i don't have much to say about it and why are you reviewing it and i don't know man there's nothing else out and it's not a bad album but where's the fucking hook you know like uh, yeah no it feels like from the aesthetic the kind of throwback thing where it's like kind of 80s it's kind of like constantly 1999 but also very current um it struck me as uh, like a corporate take on vaporwave or something. Do you know what I mean? It's pinching all those kind of ideas and repackaging them. And I don't doubt all the kind of, you know, touch points he's referencing are stuff he lived through because I guess we're all around the same age and like we all lived through them. But he doesn't really do anything, you know, revealing or insightful with them. It's like a laundry list a lot of the time. If this is going to be totally autobiographical, it's it's more just listing stuff. It's like, remember that thing? Remember that thing? It's like kind of millennial, like music fan, a tread where there's just kind of like memes in these quite catchy songs that are kind of well done. Uh, his voice does wind me up quite a bit. Like it feels quite affected, doesn't it? It's, there's one song in particular, <laughs> Waterfalls Coming Out of Your Mouth, which was just grossness. Did that, do, it like triggered my, <laughs> like I have a bit of like misophonia where like certain sounds kind of give me a, this like, um, like fight or flight response almost. And just where he's like chewing over, he's like fetishizing over like where's like Gummy Bear and Scooby-Doo and Push Pop. I was just like, you're in my ears and this is horrible. The Scooby-Doo Scooby line in particular makes me want to claw my own face off. And yeah, no, I'm yes. the same. If I'm like, if I'm listening to like a podcast or something, uh, I know I've actually done this once or twice in the one course, so I do apologize. But like, or even if you're watching a film and you've got in-ears on and there's a scene where someone is chewing and like the audio is like deliberately doing that squelchy thing for like a length of time to make it uncomfortable. Yeah, I can feel my body just begin to, as you say, hit out and just fight or flight thing. Yeah, I mean, like it's, 
I don't know. I mean, like, like it's not even that this is a bad album because it's not. You can totally it's put not, this on no. and wander around. But I think it's also. I think. I think what it will do is, and again, for some reason, it's sixteen tracks long. But also, here's the thing, right? Have you and found? Sorry, Dave. There's there's bonus levels. Bonus like, levels. <laughs> they yeah. call the bonus tracks bonus levels. You know, you can dress it up whatever way you want, guys. Uh, but like, here's the thing, right? I mean, like. Have you ever found whether you're reviewing a record or maybe you're just like, no, I want to commit to this thing from start to finish, but then you just keep getting distracted by either a new song comes out and you're like, oh, well, if I pause the album and throw on that song for three minutes, but now I should stay with this A to B, I should stay with this narrative, I shouldn't get in the way of it. I think ultimately this just makes you want to listen to other music. It just makes you want to yeah. like go throw on a playlist and you're like, Ugh, like, really? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a chore a without song being that prob- outright bad. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's not so much like taxing, it's more just it's it's tough to kind of keep your attention on it. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not, uh, that's interesting you say that because um, it's also incredibly loud. It's one of the tracks I was like, this has like, actually does have replay value for me. And I think that was because it was kind of like cribbing a, a hot chip song. And then he was almost like delivering like a Hayden Torp kind of thing over it where like the vocal was looser and without, wasn't all those kind of busy references. And the song was just letting this kind of like house pop uh, emotion just rain. And it worked quite well there. But I just then kind of like, I'm going to stick on fucking Smother by Wild Beast now. And it was just 10 times better kind of thing. Um, and it's not all light and fluffy. Like there's uh, Domestic Bliss is a song dealing with domestic violence. I think it's kind of well handled in and of itself because it does that classic pop thing of like being kind of subversive and sounding upbeat but the lyrics are very dark and quite empathetic it's like the chorus is almost like something you'd expect from like classic era Lady Gaga but it's just you know quite a bit darker but by the same token he's doing the exact same delivery vocally that he's doing on way more kind of frivolous songs so you're kind of like "Ah, I don't know and then it's followed by Heatwaves which is a way more universal kind of aim for the charts Imagine Dragons thing again in the same tone and uh, the cynic in me is just going okay maybe you're taking boxes here um, but no it's with the references with the sound you know the sonic choices with the writing it seems like something I should enjoy for like my kind of as a music fan in that generation but it felt to me like you know, when you're you're online and you're obviously looking at certain stuff and then you start getting targeted with ads that are kind of in the realm of that thing, but stuff you definitely don't want. And you're just constantly being hit with stuff that's like, it's like the algorithm kind of knows you, but doesn't know you whatsoever. So it's deeply infuriating. That felt like the album of that. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's like uh, Instagram constantly recommending leather jackets to me, and I'm like, I don't know where this. <laughs> you should ha- get how, a leather I don't jacket. Know how this happened? I don't know, I don't know what, <laughs> what's happening. But now, listen. Here's the thing, right? They're a band that in the last couple of years have experienced obviously a great trauma, but they bounced back from it. It's a feel good story in that regard. They're a band with a very human story that I don't yeah. hear on here. And the ironic thing is that, like, if it was an episode of your beloved The X Files, Craig, and it was revealed that in <laughs> fact glass animals were robots and there was one person controlling them just to make a pop band, that would make a lot more sense than this album makes. Uh, 5.5 out of 10? Yeah. Um, it's a five for me. Like, it's. As we say, it's well constructed. They can play. They can, you know, construct a melody that's catchy. They're doing well for themselves, but I wouldn't recommend it to people that I know are into music or people that I like. So I'll give it a five. Yeah, some people might dig it, might look past some of the stuff. Some of the more surface songs, you can just kind of switch off your brain and enjoy for sure. Um, I will say, like, all, getting off headphone listens and then just playing it um, in the room, it does start to sound a bit like wallpaper. I, they've also released this on VHS. 
<laughs> with like some home movie stuff. I'm like, however you feel about that kind of, um, you know, tactic will dictate how you feel about this album in general. So it's a five for me. Okay, well, five into top five, Craig. It's top five time, isn't it? Oh, no, yes. hang on. No, 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 no. It isn't, Craig. It isn't top five time at all. Hit the fucking music, Adam. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's time for Dave's Pop Culture Animal Quiz. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You're singing a different tune, Dave. I don't care. That's how excited I am. I have put a quiz together just for you, Craig. I'm Are you sorry. ready? Ten yeah. questions. Touching me off guard Ten. here. All about That's animals, whole, is it? Yeah, yeah. In, okay. in, in pop culture. Okay. okay. Question one. What instrument does Animal, he of the Muppets fame, play? The drums. Correct, sir. So do you, do you so know far. I used to be nicknamed Animal by one of my uncles? He used to scream Animal at me when I was small anytime I turned up. So that was an easy one. Wow. I've got like an Animal plush toy doll uh, that I got from an ex-girlfriend, which I've kept... It says more about the doll, probably. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> quite the no revealing offense. quiz so far. <laughs> Question two In professional wrestling, what signature action was George the Animal Steel famous for? What signature? Sorry, what, his move? Like his finisher? Uh, not quite finisher. It was something he would do. He's very famous. George for the. What's his name? George the what's Animal Steel. <laughs> what did he do that um, set him apart from others? fucking a pile driver onto a piece of metal <laughs> you're incorrect sir the answer was biting off the turnbuckle pad and causing oh, okay. a great big scene question three still in professional wrestling no, the legion of doom <laughs> legion of doom were made up of two men road warrior animal and road warrior what but hold on it's the animal reference just in the first bit so this isn't actually animal related we don't know. I mean, Legion Doom, Road Warrior Animal, and Road Warrior something, which may or may not be animal related. It's animal um, related. Oh, okay. Beast. Road Warrior Hawk was the answer to that question, Gosh. so you got one so far. Question four. Oh. Still in still in professional wrestling. In a more <laughs> modern context. In a more, mo- in a more modern context, what wrestler was known as the animal? I'll give you a clue if you need it. Um Do you want a clue? Yeah, was it like he an alter ego of... Go on, sorry. He he has since gone on to become a respected and uh, successful actor. John... Oh, um, respected actor. Oh, um, Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Rock Johnson? The answer is Batista. The animal Dave Batista. Oh, shit, of course. He's way more respected. You said fucking the new Blade Runner, for God's sake. <laughs> Question number five in this animal-based quiz. Still in professional wrestling territory... <laughs> Can you name? <laughs> Craig has got. Craig has walked away from his microphone and closed the door. Oh no! Go on, go oh, on. Come back, come back, please. I swear. Right. Come on. Okay, I'm back. This, I'm back. Th- this wasn't Let's designed this. to trick you. I thought of it on a whim. <laughs> Question. I'm enjoying five. it. <laughs> Can you name any member of late '90s WCW faction, the Filthy Animals? Um, Road Dog. Nope, that's WWF. I'll give you one more guess. There's loads of them. Um, sorry, Tinks. say the name again. WCW. Fil- say yeah, WCW. The, the filthy, filthy animals. animals. Yeah. Sting in it. No, I'll give you one last chance. Think of like famous um, Latino wrestlers. Eddie Guerrero. 
Yay, Eddie Guerrero's in yeah. there. Yay. Okay. So that was uh, that's two so far. Five more questions to go, Craig. Number six. In the Mortal Kombat video game series, what is the animal version of a fatality known as? Animal ver- animal version of a fatality. Yeah, introduced in Mortal Kombat Two, I believe it's where you do an animal-based murder on your opponent at the end of it. Some people transform oh, into like fuck. a tiger and stuff, you know. The Tekken guy, yes, we've talked about. Oh, it's always Tekken. Um, the animal I don't version know. of a fatality. Just a mauling or something. Oh, not too far off. The answer is animality. <laughs> no, I've actually heard Quest- that before. Okay, fuck. I've done terrible in this. Go on. Question seven, and you might, you know, like this might be something I've made up in my head, but we're going to go with it. In Brilliant. Dublin, <laughs> in Dublin <laughs> slang, in Dublin slang, if something is referred to as animal, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Fucking grey thing, mate. Yeah, mate. It's fucking yeah. animal. You got that one. All right, you're on three. There's three questions. Can I come to back you to can, Dublin now? <laughs> it's like you my can class. pull it back. Question eight. Name the dog actor that portrayed Eddie in your favourite sitcom of all time, Frasier. The fucking net. Well, hold on. There was two. No, there wasn't. Yeah. The no, the original wasn't. actor that portrayed Eddie died. <laughs> and I during believe his son took over. Yeah, during the run. Like, yeah. Well, this and, is the classic um, one, okay? It's in the credits all the time. Everyone knows this. It's your favourite sitcom of all time. This is a disgrace if you don't get it, Craig, as far as I'm concerned. Um. Oh, hold on. I fucking know this. It begins with C, doesn't it? Um, hold on. <laughs> um. Oh, fucking. It's not Cosmo, is it, or something? The answer to the question was Moose, Craig. Moose. Oh, fuck! Question number nine. Look up the son's name. Look up the son's name. My Question number nine. <laughs> Some decorum, please. Question number nine. We mentioned cats earlier on. Uh, we also reviewed Taylor Swift's new album two episodes ago. Can you name her character in the 29 motion picture, Cats? No, nah, i never seen it, mate. The answer to that question was Bombalarina. And finally, question 10. What nationality is the Pink Panther? Well, hold on. French? The cartoon character, Pink Panther? Oh. Do do animals have nationalities? According to Wikipedia, he does, yeah. <laughs> um he's probably an American then. Correct! Well yes. done! So that's one, two, two three. three. Did I get four? four. I think I got four, four out of ten. Oh, that's well grand, man. I'm happy with that. Ah. That was enjoyable. <laughs> was it though? Mr. Conundrum. Uh, the conundrum okay, is that how how this you show. put with me for all <laughs> these quiz. years, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> Top five. Tell me about it and then kick it Let's off. Would it. You? I'm going to sit back now as a proud quiz master. Yeah. So this is um, Animal Crackers. It's songs involving animals. There needs to be an animal in the title. We're being kind of loosey goosey with this one, so there might feature songs that are named after animals and then get all kind of metaphorical. Um, it's just an excuse to talk about songs we love, I guess. I did kind of get into a complicated bag of like, oh, well, maybe in the verses you need to actually talk about specific animals and there needs to be, I don't know, I came up with all these convoluted fucking rules for myself. So we'll see how it pans out, I guess. I will say for me, uh, if I'll kick things off, there's no 60s selections this week. Uh, this could have been Paul McCartney's Redemption Week, actually. I was going to put in Blackbird, um, but in the end, I didn't. I didn't have the Rolling Stones either with Wild Horses because Mick Jagger, 
I had it in my list and I read an interview with Mick Jagger where he's like, yeah, wild horses is kind of a trite phrase, a bit rubbish, but we made something out of it. I'm like, well, not even respecting the phrase, it's not going in. So instead, I'm going to keep it light for my number five, keep it loose. Uh, and this melody, is, uh, this tune has been like prowling around in my head since we landed on the topic. I can't deny it. It's my number five. Try it. Not Dave, were you? That's Walk Like a Panther <laughs> from the All-Seeing Eye, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, it was a number 10 smash back in 1999, which I think on this show we've decided was summertime for the human race. A great year, a fine year. Um, this ticks all the boxes <laughs> in terms of the list of animals. It's intrinsic. Um, if you go to the video, there was a dance. Uh, so the All-Seeing Eye um, was uh, an electronic kind of act, a trio from Sheffield. Uh, the man singing there was Tony Christie, of course, of um, Amarillo fame, Dave. This was sandwiched in between his two hits with Amarillo. Obviously, it was a charity version that followed. Um, this is kind of kitsch. This is way more subversive. It's a better tune. It's really good. The most Im- important thing about this, I guess, is the main songwriter has not been named as yet. Um, do you have any, um, do you want to hazard a guess at who the songwriter was? 90 songwriter. Talked about on the show fairly recently. Oh, when you think uh, of like this kind of subversive pop, uh, like the, the opening verse goes, Marie has set up home with a man who's half my age, a half wit and a leotard stands on my stage. Jarvis Cocker. Yes. Nailed it. Absolutely yes! nailed it. Oh my God. I'm so good at quizzes. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was either it was either him, it was either him or Lou Bega. So you know, I mean, like you know, yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's very Jarvis when you when you know it. Um, like I've thought about the song "Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen" twice because of this show in recent times. Right, one was um, when I realised that "A Hero's Death" by Fontaine's DC is essentially the Workman's Club version of <laughs> "Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen." The other time was when we were doing the Jarvis album and I was thinking of um, that lead single, Must I Evolve, kind of sideways lyrics. It's like an older perspective, spoken word bits in it. It could be like one of those novelty big hits back in the kind of 90s when like the charts were more homogenous and like now obviously, you know, everything's siloed and stuff falls down cracks and it'll just be popular with his audience. But actually, I think I was thinking of um, Walk Like a Panther, which is around the same era, same bracket. I like Christie's performance on this. It's kind of self-deprecating. He was living in Spain, of course, at the time. Jarvis Cocker rang him up and was like, do you want to do this song about like a fading Lotario? Um, and he was on board. Uh, there was a whole dance to it. It just works. The guitars are cool. They're kind of corner shop bouncy guitars. Um, so yeah, uh, I think I'm happy with this pick. What's I'm happy too. Number five? I'm, I'm, I'm happy as well. Uh, my pick is a bit more acidic. It's from the 90s as well, but it's just as relevant okay. today. Let's hit it. <laughs> Oh! 
is, of course, Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine, 1996. Yeah. The album is Evil Empire. It was their second record. And, of course, as with so much of what Rage Against the Machine do, it is directly applicable to the year that you're currently living in. Um, at the time, I believe, on the CD single release in the UK, it uh, had Zach De La Roca talking about how like the wall that like like America building a wall between itself and Mexico, which of course is still a talking point today. Yeah. Uh, and Zach Taylor Rocker said like the wall, uh, Germany fell and the U S government was busy building another one between the border of the U S and Mexico since 1986, as a result of a lot of hate talk and hysteria, uh, the government of the United States has been speaking of uh, 1,500 bodies have been found on the border. And we wrote the song in response to it. But again, like I say, pick your fucking, moment in time and apply this to to that it's an incredibly as again so often with rage righteous vociferous forward thinking um looking for change in the world and bringing it together in the form of like controlled beautiful aggression uh the genius kind of preview right up for this one says the song discusses the subliminally oppressive leaders of the world and their never-ceasing quest to conquer and kill for their own gain the title reflects this a bull is an aggressive animal only stopped by force as of the world's leading governments and these bulls are going on a parade to gain by any means necessary so you mentioned at the top of the top five we might get a bit metaphorical i'm probably gonna get metaphorical with all of my choices thank you very much uh because craig ultimately i think you know there's one thing we can glean from the music we listen to, the films we watch, the discourse of the day. It's that <laughs> we're all animals, aren't we? Oh, wow. Profound, Dave. Utterly, Human utterly beings, profound. The real animal. Yeah. <laughs> we do some things that even the animals wouldn't, Dave. They always say. Um, yeah, Rager, like one of those rare acts, rock acts that... Um, age really well in terms of their outlook and attitude and they feel like very applicable to the moment they are like yeah i was a big fan they're kind of a band with one song do you know what i mean like yeah there's no there's no rage ballads do you know what i mean but it's a hell of a song (laughs) i mean i know what you're saying there is i guess what's interesting though is that like like so many bands of that style and particularly like a lot of the bands i would have subsequently fallen in love with you do anticipate a day would come that you're like, ah, this is a bit cringe now, isn't it? This is a bit Che Guevara poster on the wall. And it is. Yeah. But but the songs are so fucking good. Zach Della Rocket is such a unique force of nature. The combination of the four guys works so well together. I think there is a sincerity in what they're doing. Yes, yes, I know they were signed to a major label and that brings together its own problems and I get it. And no one's saying Rage are fucking perfect, but they're necessary, I think. And the songs on a surface level are just ridiculously enjoyable. And Bulls on Parade is one of those for yeah. sure. Like once that kicking comes in, you're like, oh, this is outrageous. Now I should say before we close off this this entry here, we mentioned Denzel Curry earlier on, the wonderful, wonderful Denzel Curry. Uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago. He did a cover of this for Triple J's Like a Version, which, mm-hmm. you know, goes on for more than 25 seconds on a Glass Animals song. So first of all, if you haven't heard that, you need to check it out because my take on it is this. Zach Della Rocca is kind of irreplaceable, at least in the context of what Rage Against the Machine are. And I know they're back now, and of course we were due to see them in Strad Valley in just a few weeks' time, which is not happening. But here's the thing, right? If Zach Della Rocca was like, I'm never getting back with this band ever again, but Rage could live on, and one person could replace him, I think that man is Denzel Curry, and here's why. The microphone is slow, shattering the mood. Even Tommy is like Dana Mola, get the fuck up the cabal with a short shot. Sure to make a body drop, drop it, don't copy, yo, your colors are too rough. Terror rage, stretching, quenching the 
Okay, Dave, you've laid down a serious marker. I'm going to move into more serious territory myself. This is the opening track from Kind of Slept On album from a Canadian Giant. I looked a coyote right in the face On the road to Belgeny near my old hometown He went running through the whiskerweed Chasing some prize down And a hawk was playing with him Coyote was jumping straight up and making passes And the same eyes Yeah, Joni Mitchell with Coyote so You probably guessed, taken from Hajira Which is currently, I think, my favourite album of hers But it, it changes all the time um, Between Hissing and Summer Lawns Everyone's favourite Blue um, Just the, you know, frequency of her releases in the 70s Were incredible There were like kind of dispatches from her diary Like here's your yearly update in terms of what Joni's up to. Um, Hijir is really great in that sense because it's quite dreamy production, um, lyrically very dense. Um, it feels kind of formless in a really good way. Um, but obviously it was just like painstakingly crafted, but it has this sense of travel, the sense of journey, just kind of cool fretless bass over the top of it all. And yeah, the songs were written, I think, when um, Joni Mitchell was like traveling uh, across country. Uh, there was a few kind of uh, trips she was on a really tumultuous time in her life that kind of where all the songs came from. It's her like Springsteen album or like her Nebraska maybe. Um, the relationship she was in at the time was on skids because I think she'd had a fling with uh, director Sam Shepard who is I think the coyote in this song although that clip we hear her actually coming face to face with a coyote. So she, yeah, yeah she's doing the metaphorical thing. She's um She's using kind of Native American um, symbolism for what the coyote is. Um, like she, I think she's from Saskatchewan herself, and um, the coyote has the role of this kind of like anti-hero or like trickster character. And the fella in this is just like a no good Nick and a guy who's going to sleep around. You can't trust him. And I guess Sam Shepard was kind of haunting her on these trips. Um, some of which seemed pretty inadvisable. Like she was traveling with friends and then kind of like boyfriends at times and then by herself quite a bit where apparently she like dressed up in a costume so she wouldn't be recognized. She didn't have a driver's license. So she'd like stay behind truckers and just like rely on this habit apparently they have of like signaling when the police were ahead of them and then just like turning off the road if she had to. It's like fair, fair enough. Okay, cool. Uh, she came up with a great album as a result. Um, and this is a really nice introduction. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, it's very clever. Like she's, you know, super literate or she's in that realm of like Dylan where you could just look at the lyrics on a page and it's poetry and so many layered meanings to this, so many kind of applications for the coyote figure. Um, and yeah, it really strikes a chord with me. Joni is great. It's very Joni album, which is a very good thing. At number four, and I hate to be, you know, repetitive with my choices in the top fives every now and then, and like I think we're always guilty on leaning on stuff that we like. But I guess again, it's all about jumping off points and stuff. And some songs are just too good to ignore, like this one. Yeah, 
Pixies, it's Monkey Gone to Heaven, taken from Do Little, tremendous album, amazing band, and yeah, I mean, like, it's just one of those songs, isn't it? Like, it hits you straight away, it never gets old. Yeah. It's really, really fucking good. You see, it was the, I think, 30th anniversary of Bossa Nova this week, so the question, of course, is, Do Little or Surfer Rosa? It's interesting, because, I mean, like, Surfer Rosa does have some very good stuff on it, but Do Little is, is of course, a probably one of those perfect albums, you know? Saw, saw yeah. them touring it live before as well. It was a lot of fun. Uh, how do you, do you think the Pixies, like, they're so revered, but, like, are they, is there just kind of a weird thing with Pixies where, like, they're just in this kind of mode and, like, they'll, they're always there, you know? And there's not really much yeah. conversation around how good they could be or, and listen, they've had some duds, of course, especially in recent years, pulled it back a little bit, but in the in the overall canon, Craig, where are they for you? They're, they're, they rank very highly because they do have that extra kind of elusive quality, don't they? They feel like they were mythical when they arrived. They created their own universe. All their songs feel very contained in a world. Um, and then so influential. Um, obviously, the likes of Nirvana from the get-go, but in the year, year since, just tremendous. The songs are... Yeah, I come back to them quite a lot, actually, because um, they're just really good pop songs. Like I know there's kind of like you know, Steve Albini production, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And it can be quite abrasive and there can be lyrics about like people that are missing tongues and they're inbred and there's aliens landing and stuff, but just catchy as fuck. <laughs> and great, was a really good selection. This is, I must admit, this was like one that would be up there for me, but I was kind of second guessing myself and being like, oh, will Dave pick it? Or I'm glad you did. It was great to hear that clip. Well, I mean, like, it's it's one of those ones. Monkey Gone to Heaven, I mean, like, as you say, like, it's a very attractive song, but its main theme is about environmentalism and the destruction, uh, humanity's destruction of the ocean, confusion of man's place in the universe. So you're getting into that kind of whole, I guess, primal thing, not understanding what where you've come from and the earth that you reside on and not being able to deal with it gets into the existentialism of it all. And again, I come back to the idea, Craig, that uh, we're just not so different from the animals, you and I. But uh, maybe, they, they'll, maybe they'll inherit the earth when we're done with it. But I mean, I mean, like, I, they definitely I, just, will. I just think that it's one of those songs where, like, it's it's ultimately if you break it down and, you know, think back to, like, you know, the summer series of Trinity College. We were a couple of years ago singing the song. It's like a torch anthem for people, like, you know, arms around each other, smiles on faces. But it's actually about how we're all completely fucked. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, it's almost like it's, it's subtle in its lack of subtlety, I suppose. And... You know, of course, then there's the whole religion thing, and I kind of feel like you know it's something that Frank Black, Black Francis, has always kind of peppered his lyrics with and and his ideas about things. But at the same time, I think he's also someone who just likes a good pop hook, and he'll say whatever he wants to get there. Yeah, they're the, like to to go back to the slight mythical thing they have about them. They're always at like an arm's length a bit, like they're at one remove with the symbolism and the kind of really evocative imagery, and it totally works for them. Um, Maybe not so much in more recent releases, but that original run is just is as good as anyone's in the alt-rock community. All right, I'm going to get very, very obvious for my number three as well. Hit it! Absolute genius, Kate Bush. <laughs> Hounds of Love. Uh, not the Future Heads version, which everyone loves. Um, 
I used to I, like, but I, I never like go you, back to. I feel like if you ever. chose, <laughs> if you chose the you, Future Heads version over this, you, you would have walked in, out the door. <laughs> I, I listeners would have probably <laughs> not been happy. I think you'd be in a lot of trouble, Craig. This is far superior. I like the novelty of that one, like ten years ago or whatever. Um, this is kind of similar territory to the Joni stuff because it is, you know. Um, affection and like intimacy is some beast to be like feared and outrun so sign me up um, title track from her f- most famous album the like iconic cover has Kate with a couple of pooches as well um, Bonnie and Clyde were the names of the dogs Dave if you were wondering um, were you wondering you weren't wondering were you, you good names for dogs though implanted the idea in my head like Inception Craig well done now I'm curious. Now I want to know more. Do they go the same way as Bonnie and Clyde? Shot to death with lots of bullets on a country road by people posing as, what were they, gangsters? I don't know. <laughs> there were gangsters, weren't they? No, they were gangsters, but I... I think oh, sorry. Shot, fina- oh, yeah. I think they it were shot dead very by, graphic. By, shot dead by the law, I believe, Craig. That's who took them down. Do you, the actually, end, yeah? do you know what? I'd say that's one of those films where it's like an absolute classic and I don't think I've actually seen it. I haven't watched Bonnie and Clyde. You know they Ever. made a film there like- a few years ago? There was like a film on Netflix called The Highwaymen about the cops that did kill them, played by Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. Can you think of a more dad-sounding movie? Kind of sounds enjoyable. I want to watch that tonight. But Kate yeah, Bush... Well, it's right there, you know? <laughs> Go for <laughs> it. Right there. You, you have my blessing. <laughs> uh, incredible production on this. You've got the Fairlight CMI doing its thing. Um, it's my first entry uh, of two that has a kind of half-hearted attempt to mimic the sound of the animal but it sounds nothing like dogs it's like they're going to do, 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 do. it's like what it's kind of like when you know you hear in different countries they have different sounds for when they're mimicking animals and it's very disconcerting have you ever come across that you like doing in it Spanish, specifically there's a <laughs> oh i'm not gonna start doing them don't worry <laughs> um but yeah, in different cultures and different languages, they all have different sounds that the animals supposedly make. And when you hear them, you're kind of going, well, that sounds nothing like it. And then you think of the Irish slash English variety and you're like, yeah, they don't work either. Suffice to say, this is a great song. Yes, Craig, you've proven it with this thesis once and for all. <laughs> uh, Adam, our sonic architect, says The Highwaymen is a good movie. So Jerry's Okay, out. I'll check it out. You'll have to report back. It could be one of the two films you watched this year. I'm going to the cinema, by the way. I got tickets for Christopher Nolan's big movie. So I'm going nice. on opening day. Social distance cinema. I'm very curious. I hope I Bit don't die. Tennis. It's not appealing to me whatsoever, the um, the film. Not, I think Return to Cinema is, is definitely in order. By the way, this was going to be my big year where I was going to the cinema like at least once a fucking week. And I was sticking to it up until about like fucking the end of February. Fuck off. I'm not having this. Well, my big cinema year at last. Oh no, <laughs> the crazy pandemic. big cinema year. <laughs> are you going to start a blog, were you? Like, like where was this going to go? <laughs> I was going to start a Twitter thread. Get a letterbox. Letterbox. No, is you'll great. never know. I'm watching too many films. Like it's actually getting out of hand. In fairness, I should reiterate, I don't have a job. But like, if you look at like like letterbox where you can catalog what you've been watching, my diary. Like August so far. What are we halfway through August? Not even. Yeah, getting there. I've watched thirteen films so far this month. And what's the best of them? Uh, that I watched. Like I guess. Yeah. What's your recommend? Uh, uh, Hellraiser, the original Hellraiser is pretty great. The host, Bong Joon Ho, and uh, 
Yeah, Lars and the Real Girl, which I mentioned last week, Victoria. I've like, seen all of these films. See, I do watch films, I just don't go to the cinema. I just don't talk about it, mate. What are you? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I, I forgot. Yeah, you're not in the murder capital, so, you know, you don't watch a film every day or anything like that. But I do. That's my life now. Anyway, my number three in the top five <laughs> songs about animals is this. song is called Lark. It's by Au Revoir Simone. The album is The Bird of Music from 1997. So I'm ticking two boxes there, Craig. Two birds at one stone, you might say. And of course, this song... my approval. (laughs) uh, One of the reasons why my voice buckled so hard on the intro is because I was just thinking about them in the the old roadhouse in Twin Peaks, The Return. This, alongside uh, Chromatics and Shadow, I think we're just two of the, and there was many great performances in that venue. Uh, the Workman's Club of its of its locale. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Do you reckon but, Fontaine's DC, if they had arrived a bit earlier, would have been snapped up by David Lynch? I feel like Eddie Vedder had that uh, spot nailed oh, down. Eddie might have been the one bum nose, kind of. Just tonally, under, like it didn't. <laughs> under his real name as well, was it? Or, or sort of like yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. It was his real name, yeah. Nine Inch Nails uh, was phenomenal. My God, that the was... The Nine Inch Nails. That felt like a fucking plot point, the use of that song. Anyway, we won't go into it. I feel like, I know we do this a lot, but I feel like I do need to get back into Twin Peaks The Return. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm ready for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. this song stood out to me as one of the ones that just kind of, it like froze me in place. It was like a moment in time. And it was that kind of wonderful mix and marriage of audio and visual. And that's about as animal themed as it gets. That was my number three. Go check out Lark by Aurovar Simone and Twin Peaks The Return. What you got next, Craig? Very good. Well, David, dig, if you will, a picture of you and I engaged in a top five. That is not what it sounds like when doves cry. <laughs> a really nice synth line. <laughs> but it's a metaphor and it's Prince. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, doves of peace. It's about strife in in terms of like the cyclical nature of relationships. And um, it all gets very Freudian. Obviously, it's taken from Purple Rain and the movie is like a lot to do with Prince's parents' relationship not going so well and him fearing like making the same mistakes. Um and yeah, it's a really nice image. Um, you've got the doves crying thing. Um, you've also got a really, wait, what line in it? 
as you often get with Prince, where he's like, animals strike curious poses. They feel the heat, the heat between me and you. <laughs> so Prince that he's just like, we are so sexy together. <laughs> like random animals, they're just like, hold on, what is going on over there? <laughs> this is so unprecedented. Good. <laughs> yeah. The animal kingdom has never seen such <laughs> delight. Absolutely wild. The thing people always say about this song is that famously it doesn't have a bass. It doesn't have a bass line. He had a bass part on it and he's like, take that out. It sounds better. And people were like, no, Prince, you can't. And he's like, do you know what? I can. And that's going to be a number one hit. And it was in America. It kept, do you know what it kept off the top in 1984? Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen's Fuck. never had a number one as a result. <laughs> He got the heck put on him. I love how this yeah. uh, top five has just like descended into absolute bangers. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I yeah. did say I did say they were animal crackers. So you know, like that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, what, 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 what more can be said, Craig, about about Prince and how amazing the song is? I I, I do think though that there is uh, a certain kind of element to some of these selections so far in terms of the second you hear them, you kind of get into that mode, that physical yeah, mode. Yeah. You know, like where like. I don't know, like the body takes over or something and it, and it becomes... It's our animal you know, nature. I was going to say, the animal side. And that leads me perfectly to my runner-up this week. Let's be honest, nobody should be surprised. It is, of course, Nine Inch Nails. The song is Closer from the Downward Spiral in 1994 in which Trent Reznor wants to fuck you like an animal. Or does he, though? Because this song has been wildly misinterpreted by an awful lot of people. <laughs> of course, <laughs> like their entire career. <laughs> now, you, you hold that in reserve, sir. You can be the counterpoint. Sorry, go on. You can be the prosecuting attorney. We'll do it. Uh, but here's the thing, right? Um... The song is about uh, self-hatred and obsession, <laughs> right? And to Trent Reznor's dismay, a sentence that I assume was used quite a lot in the 90s, uh, the song <laughs> yeah. was widely, widely like thought of as a lust anthem due to that chorus. Uh, in 2003, VH1 ranked the song at number 93 in the countdown of the 100 greatest songs of the past 25 years. Fair enough. But then you find it at number two on America Online's 69 Sexiest Songs of All Time. Due to its explicit frankness, it says here. Now, uh, you might wonder, <laughs> how can we get to the bottom of this? Maybe it's open to interpretation as everything in art is. We need an we need an independent adjudicator, right? We need someone who knows. So we'll get Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee, uh, who apparently contributed Second to Second mention Spiral. for Tommy Lee in this show. <laughs> uh, he said, come on, dude, I want to fuck you like an animal. That's the all-time fuck song. Those are pure fuck beats. Trent Reznor knew what he was doing. You can fuck to it, you can dance to it, and you can break shit to it. I'd like to point out, though, that I think the song is more respectable as a pop song that uh, tells us a lot about who we are as people, Craig, and uh, as a society at large. Uh, that's what it does for me. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> Big Trent, back with another one of those pure fuck beats. <laughs> this fairness, is... It's yeah. so enjoyable. I mean, like that kind of like... It is outrageous. It's Prince-like at times with its kind of like, yeah. you know, doo-wop synths that come in and then like just like but it's the, also the, the Prince scattering of like kind of fucking pentatonic fucking uh, arpeggiated synth thing that's irresistible. 
Yeah, but it's that thing of like, there's way more going on and it's kind of confused. Like, and there's, you know, there's whole psychological shit going on with it. Like, I mean, you can sense that from the tune. It does feel like the ultimate, um, like edgy stripper anthem. I think every like, every major studio film that had a stripper scene, like a strip club scene in the 90s, used Pour Some Sugar On Me. And then every indie film used this. Actually. That's probably um, what annoyed Trent, to be honest. The opening credits of Seven, um, starring Brad Pitt yeah. and Morgan Freeman, yeah, available in all good video stores right now, <laughs> if you want a feel-good crime thriller, uh, has a remix of this, which was authorised because, of course, in the intervening years, of course, Trent Reznor has gone on to work quite extensively with David Fincher. Um, I think it's a great one. Obviously, I'm a big fan, but I think it does have that kind of wonderful physical nature of, of what Nine Inch Nails can do, while also it being like, look, listen, I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. Like, the video's insane. It's it's utterly like ludicrous. I understand Trent being like, oh, but my pain. But you're like, no, man, it's a banger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deal with it. His it's pain your- that made him tens of millions. He's doing just fine. All right. And yeah. well earned. He's a talented man. One okay. of these days, Craig, um, you're, you're going to come around and you're going to realise. Oh, no, I, I, I loved this last album. I have to go back to some more of their more classic works, but no. Uh, Downward Spiral, Tales. man. Downward Spiral. Listen to, it th- listen to it this weekend. I'll, I'll report back. Um, okay. Time to find out what's in... Uh, the box marked number one for me. It's, um, you know, listen, Dave, in the animal kingdom, all roads inevitably lead to decomposition. So let's just get on with it. Fishes from Radiohead from a 2007 album in Rainbows. Some might say their best album. Uh, retrospectively, a lot of uh, praise being heaped on it. It's right up there for me, for sure. Um, I still remember when it came out. It had that very quaint now, pay what you want gimmick, which is like, what? You can The, the artists are just letting you pay nothing if you want. Sign me up. Great. Um, I remember also being excited about this particular track because in a Rolling Stone preview of the album... <laughs> Pretty much the only thing they said about it was the lyrics are depressing, even for Radiohead. Um, I guess they kind of are. It's it sounds like it's a love song, but I don't know. It's more about maybe escape. It sounds actually slightly suicidal as well. Now that I think about it, um, kind of flippant with the weird fishes mention, but it does feel like Radiohead's end game maybe right because they've so many songs where it's like um, like how to disappear completely from Kid A is um. Tom dealing with his emotions by floating down the Liffey. And then you've like Pyramid Song where he's like swimming with black eyed angels who are kind of symbols for depression. And then eventually on Weird Fishes, he's just like at the bottom of the ocean being eaten alive by worms and uh, weird fishes. Um, And somehow it's kind of feel good when you hear it. It's great. Uh, It's got those like Johnny Marr kind of twinkling guitars as well that work so well on Knives Out. And uh, it's a highlight from a terrific album for me. Some brightness then to close your list is what you're saying. Make us all feel good. Yeah, man. Uh, Kid A for me, by the way, in that never-ending argument. Just the number one. That everyone likes to have. Yeah, I, I'd probably go OK Computer. 
Gidei is probably their most accomplished work, though, Shit. in terms of... Well, we're, we're, we're quickly becoming... Okay, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we're becoming those guys, Greg. <laughs> no one wants to listen to those guys. Instead... Top five radio head albums next week. Cast your mind back <laughs> to the early to mid-tens. It's Strad Bally Electric Picnic. It's about one in the morning, and Craig and I have just had a massive row. But then we heard a siren and a signal in the distance, and we both ran to the same tent for this. Sure. It is The Walkman, it is The Rat, and it is one of the best songs of all time. The best Stroke song that The Strokes never wrote, as I like to say all the time. But let's take us back to Leash for a second. You might be wondering. Ridiculous but, comment, but Dave, by the way, but come on. But Craig, well, get on you, with it. you guys don't fight and couldn't possibly fight about anything, even though we're doing it right now. Uh, <laughs> let's be honest, it was over a girl, wasn't it, probably? I can't remember. Uh, I, I just know that. Oh, do you not remember? It was one of the. Oh, I, mean, I, remember, was, I remember bits. I remember pieces. It wasn't. No, it wasn't really. I think it was, it was over The Walkman, wasn't it? <laughs> Possibly? I think it was just a case where we'd like had a long day fucking working away, blah, oh, blah, blah. Dude. And we were like catching acts. Nightmare. And you wanted to you wanted to see all of the Walkman because you've been looking forward to it. And at that moment, I had the opportunity to go and... It was chemical. I don't want to say stuff uh, that does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, stuff that doesn't <laughs> use, happen. Definitely doesn't happen. Easier, easier promoters and organizers that m- might be litigious. And meanwhile, I was the square being like, but Craig, the Walkman, you promised... And you're like, but Dave. <laughs> and I went off with women folk. Yes. Yeah. And then, well, and then, then, yes. And I remember um, there was a moment where we heard the the, the opening strains of this song. But uh, maybe I'm confusing this because if I recall correctly, I think we had separated at this point. Yeah, the song was just starting and I ran towards the tent and I arrived just as it was kicking in and saw you. That's what happened. See, I remember it differently. I remember us not actually meeting up during the song and having to experience that with different people. I mean, it was a hell of a weekend. Anything could have happened. But I'm pretty sure that we missed out because of our selfish, our selfish ways. Our animal side, once again, coming to the fore. I know. I know, right? Just the yeah, instinct, so man. It, it's the rat. By the way, the, not a mention of animals whatsoever <laughs> in this song. <laughs> well, it's called The Rat, you know, it's about rats and uh, rats in my name. So uh, I was, Hamilton Lighthouse said that the song actually originated in a jam session when the band were, quote, just screwing around. Uh, the band's drummer, Matt Barrick, who does a fucking incredible, incredible job on this one, just started playing. Yes. And then the band built the foundation around it. Hamilton Lighthouse said, we threw some chords on it. I wrote the words in five minutes, paving the way for Picture This frontman Ryan Hennessy to do the same uh, in his brand of songwriting many, many years later, as he has famously stated. And yeah, I mean, like Ezra Koenig worked as an intern for the band, apparently. Did not know this. Says that the song yeah. was, was originally titled Girls at Night, which I think brings it back nicely to our brief brief and i stress the word brief falling out in a at a a terrible music festival i think we're making it too dramatic it was like it was like every festival you've ever been at where you're slightly like you lose your mates for like 45 minutes but we found each other uh, it was quite the moment and the song was tremendous and it reunited us uh totally um yeah no it's a great song it's kind of a weird outlier for them isn't it it's like their most famous song but it's it doesn't really if you if you heard this song you wouldn't really know too much about the walkman or the rest of their output 
well, everything else is a bit more like, you know, let's take that. It's like taking like a like a recording of something and setting it back by like, you know, 0.5 or 0.1. Like it's like slow, yeah. a lot slower and a lot more languid and, and brooding, which is still great. Walk great band. Or, or one yeah. of the great bands. Uh, and that was our top five for this week. This episode of No Encore was engineered by Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan. Patreon.com slash No Encore if you'd like to help us support the show. Uh, we would love that. That'd be great. Other listening corner, Craig. I have been listening to an album that I saw getting a lot of positive notices. Uh, it's by a band called Creeper, which is okay. you know, not the best name. And the record's called Sex, Death and the Infinite Void. And essentially... Good title. Yeah, I saw it getting a bunch of five-star reviews and I was like, who are these guys? So it sounds kind of like Latter-day My Chemical Romance. And I really enjoyed it. Um, very poppy, very kind of that kind of style, very emo-y. They're from like Southampton, even though they sound like they're from like New York or something. But uh, it's it's an easy listen, uh, mostly anthemic, mostly knowing and tongue-in-cheek. And it's a concept record about like a town being taken over by different sins and people being, you know, different people representing them, the characters and the stories. But mostly it's it's got some, it's got some punch to it. Um, also with punch, though. On the Irish side of things, uh, I went back to that Bitch Falcon song, Gaslight, because I kind of mentioned it in passing there a couple weeks ago, and it's staying with me. It's got a really big, strong, kind of like no-spill blood vibe off of that I love. It sounds fucking huge, and I should know that their debut album's finally coming out. It's been announced. It's called Staring at Clocks, and it drops on the 6th of November. Also, bringing out a debut album pretty soon is Pillow Queens. And they just released a new yes. song and video for a song called Holy Show. Their debut album in waiting is almost with us as well. Uh, and I've also been listening to the new album from Disclosure, which lands at the end of the month. It's called Energy. And I'm trying to get to grips with that because I'm, I'm not as familiar with that band as maybe I should be. But good old Adam is going to help me out on that score. Good stuff. Um, yeah, Pillow Queens, I keep hearing on Six Music. I've, I've got into the habit of listening to Six Music during the day, which I hadn't done in years. And Steve Lamack is loving them. Um, and every time they come on, it's a, it's a real highlight coming out with some great stuff what have i been listening to i've been listening to like a playlist of just rizza beats because i started watching have you heard of this versus show it's like a revolute tv thing online so it's basically like big huge figures in hip-hop um pair off face off against each other either like in person or like socially distanced via zoom and just like go one song at a time from their catalog kind of perform and just, it's kind of like they're competing. Uh, people have been taking scores. But yeah, Rizzo was against DJ Premier. which is just like in some of the most iconic beats of all time, one after the other. And Rizzo won, obviously. Um, Snoop Dogg against um, DMX was amazing. So bizarre. The two of them just like standing in a studio together at mics, listening to each other's songs and then like performing them. It's like bizarre. But yeah, check out Versus if you haven't. It's really interesting. I will do, Craig. You have yourself <laughs> Thanks, a nice Dave. weekend. <laughs> You too. <laughs> See in a field somewhere in the distant future. Wow. I mean, that's, I hope so. That's, um, that's a nice thought to leave the show on. What, it got really maudlin. Like, like, like what happened? Like, like we got, we, we were, we were, we were cruising. And now, and now you picked got, the rat at number one is what happens. Yeah. Uh, okay, in fairness, okay, right, I picked yeah, weird yeah. fishes by Radiohead. <laughs> the rat's a joyful song about maybe hating yourself yeah i get it it's fine we're back in that field again and that's the end of the show guys my name is dave hanratty his name is greg Fitzpatrick. this has been no encore there will be no encore back next week this podcast is part of the head stuff podcast network
versus Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's gonna be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinoli. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.